called the circumcised, which is done in the flesh by human hands. At that time, you were without Christ, excluded from the citizenship of Israel and foreigners to the covenants of promise, without hope and without God in the world. But now, in Christ Jesus, you who were far away have been brought near by the blood of Christ. For he is our peace, who made both groups one and tore down the dividing wall of hostility. In his flesh, he made of no effect the law consisting of commands and expressed in regulations so that he might create in himself one new man from the two, resulting in peace. He did this so that he might reconcile both to God in one body through the cross by which he put the hostility to death. He came and proclaimed the good news of peace to you who were far away and peace to those who were near. For through him we both have access in one spirit to the Father, So then you are no longer foreigners and strangers, but fellow citizens with the saints and members of God's household built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets with Christ Jesus himself as the cornerstone. In him, the whole building being uh, being put together grows into a holy temple in the Lord. In him, you are also being built together for God's dwelling in the spirit. This is God's wonderful word to us this evening. Starts off a little awkward, though, I've got to admit. It says, So then remember that at one time you were Gentiles in the flesh, called the uncircumcised, by those called the circumcised, which is done in the flesh by human hands. So if you're a little bit unsure of, haven't done too much Bible reading before, you suddenly hear about circumcision, you think, Hang on a minute, what's going on here? Circumcision is a very important uh, topic in the Bible, an important concept. And when you were in the Old Testament, under the Old Covenant, to be a Jewish person, to be a, an Israelite, you needed to be circumcised in order to belong to God's people. That was a visible mark that said you belonged to God. And so if you were a Jew, this was the process that, that you had. If you were a Gentile, Gentile is an important word for us, it simply means not a Jewish person. Okay, so we mostly here would probably be all Gentiles in the sense that we are non-Jewish. I don't know all of your backgrounds, though. That might not be the case. But basically, we, the Bible also uses the word Gentile in the sense of a non-Christian. So we can also look at going Christian and a non-Christian. And so those who were the circumcised, those who were God's people, called the others the uncircumcised, and it talks about this being something that humans did. All right. So this was the visible sign, the mark of the covenant. But under the new covenant, which is what we are now in because of Christ Jesus. We are in the new covenant. Circumcision of the body is not required to be one of God's people. And many people would think, thank goodness for that. Um, In the new covenant, God has done something new, which he calls circumcision of the heart. Now, to understand this, um, actually, let's do it. Let's turn our Bibles to Deuteronomy. Come over to Old Testament, so we're going to return to the Old Covenant, the Old Testament. We're going to go to Deuteronomy chapter 30, and we're going to look at verse 6. And in the Old Testament, it, it takes time to say that there is going to be something different for you, that God is going to do something different with the heart of a person. All right, Deuteronomy chapter 30, verse 6, it says this, The Lord your God will circumcise your heart and the hearts of your descendants 
and you will love him with all your heart and all your soul so that you will live. So now under the new covenant, we have this thing called circumcision of the heart. God spiritually making us um, his people through circumcision of the heart. And it talks about it also in Ezekiel when it says, I will take out your heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh. So people who are Christians, people who have said, I now follow the Lord Jesus. Under this new covenant, we have been given a new heart, not a new four ventricles pumping blood. Our, our innermost has been changed. And what God has done in making us new is he actually gives us the ability to love him, which we did not have before. So in the Old Testament where we looked at it, it was a, a, a physical thing, it was a, a, a mark. We actually now bear fruit because of our new heart. So the sign when you look at a Christian, now no, no Christian is perfect, but the reality is that when you observe a Christian's life, the mark that you will see is fruit of the Spirit. A change in that person from when they used to be dead in their trespasses, like we looked at, like Mark preached on last week. There was this old life that we used to have. Didn't mean we couldn't do good things, but we have been changed and that we now live for Jesus and we bear fruit in with repentance as we continue to follow Jesus. It's a wonderful thing to be born again, a wonderful thing to be a new creation in Christ, that we would have this weight come off our shoulders, which is our sin and our burdens, and to be able to live bearing fruit is a wonderful, wonderful thing. Verse, verse 12, At that time you were without Christ, excluded from the citizenship of Israel and foreigners to the covenants of promise, without hope and without God in the world. Because the reality is, friends, that if you do not have Christ, you don't have real hope. You have small hope, that you can grab a hold of for a day or a week. You have little things that you can chase to try and get hope in your life and kind of keep you going. One thing that I've noticed in people that have been close to me in life who have been non-Christian is, is they always have a project, something that's going to kind of get them over there. It could be a holiday that they're working towards and they're kind of like, yeah, that's going to be great when I just get through the, the term or get through the, this next lot of weeks, I've got my holiday, I'm going to be good. Life will be better then. Or they've got the house, the building project on the way. But then they get to the holiday and they get to the house. They get to the new car or the new job and they still don't have hope. They still don't have peace. Hope is only found in the person of Jesus. The real hope that lasts for all of eternity, for all of your life, is only found in Jesus. When you didn't have him, you were outside of that. And foreigners of the covenant of promise without hope and without God in the world. It is a bleak, cold world without God. Even as Christians, we must remember daily that there is nothing else that gives us hope. I know there are times in my Christian walk where I forget this. I shouldn't forget it. But I start just, something happened, and I just start getting a little bit away from God's Word. I get away from the church community for a little bit, and all of a sudden, I'm thinking, maybe there is something over here again. And I'm reminded very, very quickly, that's right, it was only in Jesus. I need the reminders. That's why our church life, our Bible reading, all these things that God puts in place are so important to us because we have this tendency to stray very, very quickly. Verse 13, but now, I love these but now things that come up in, in the Scriptures, but now in Christ Jesus, you who were far away, 
have been brought near by the blood of Christ. What Jesus did on the cross has brought us into his family. By the shedding of Jesus' blood on the cross for us, the Gentile, the non-Jewish of the old covenant, but the person today who is not a Christian is invited and is called to come and belong in God's family. Why? For he is our peace, who made both groups one and tore down the dividing wall of hostility. So this is important as well to get a little bit of context here because the Jew and the Gentile were not friendly. In Old Testament times, they didn't always play nice. They didn't get along. The Israelites were supposed to be a light to the nations. That was their their role. They were supposed to be set apart so they could show the rest of the world how good God was so that they would be a blessing, so that they would be a light to the nations around them. They didn't do so great at that one. But what God has done through the cross is he takes different people groups, different people who formerly had hostility, and he makes them one in Christ. People you would never have thought who would get along, now going, that's my brother, that's my sister. I follow a lot of Christian rap music, Christian hip-hop, and there was a group in the late 90s who... Um, if you just listen to it from a distance, you would think it was pretty kind of like hardcore gangster rap. But as you got a little closer to the lyrics, you went, hang on, they're totally talking about Jesus here. And it was formally made out of two dudes that were in one gang and then one in another gang. They were, you might have heard of Bloods and Crips, all right, often dressed in red and blue. And these guys, not just like you know, people wanting to mimic it in Australia and places like that. This was like real Bloods and Crips. And these guys both became Christians, turned up in the church, they would have pulled guns on each other formally. They would, have, they would have gone to war when they saw each other. But because they were now one in Christ, they became united and they formed a group to go out into their streets, into the community to say, Jesus is the only way you were going to get peace. He made, sorry, verse 15, he made of no effect the law consisting of commands and expressed in regulations so that he might create in himself one new man from the two, resulting in peace. And, how, and why has he done this? He did this, verse 16, so that he might reconcile both to God in one body through the cross by which he put the hostility to death. He came and proclaimed the good news of peace to you who were far away and peace to those who were near. For through him we both have access in one spirit to the Father. Both the Jew and the Gentile are now one if they are in Christ. Because of the good news of the gospel, because of what Jesus has done, they are now one. The gospel is the method of reconciliation, not just between man and God. We talked about that in the earlier verses and earlier sermons, that we've had to become reconciled to God. We were originally separated from God because of our sin. But the gospel, the good news that Jesus gave his life for us has now brought us into God's family. And so it is for the different people groups who might have formerly had hostility that are brought together to be one. God does not intend for nationality, skin color, race to separate us. We who are in Christ are brought together to be one people. And this is the only hope our world has got for peace between people. 
racism is still a huge issue in our world. Um, following social media, I don't have to wait too many days before I see another post about something to do with someone not being treated fairly. A video that's been recorded uh, in some sort of setting where somebody has been discriminated against and someone's rising up to have their say about it. These videos come to us thick and fast because the reality is that it is a problem in our world. But to understand racism, we don't necessarily... How do I say this? Addressing racism isn't really going to fix anything. We need to address the issue behind racism, which is sin. Um, a few years back, I read an article by a guy by the name of Vody. He is a black American pastor and preacher, and he spoke about his upbringing, and he talked about two different situations that happened to him. He was a, a young, angry, pro-black guy who got pulled out of his car and got hassled out purely because of the color of his skin. It was a real scenario. He was just driving home. He got pulled out of his car, and he was targeted simply because of the color of his skin. Young black man. Um, and so he developed what he said. He, he became angry at white cops, or he became angry at cops. He became angry at white people and uh, started to get on a bit of a rant here and there about you know, uh, racism and different things. Shortly after, he was entering into a, a corner store and a young black guy came into the store and put a gun right in his face and robbed him. And he said he came out of that situation just going, hang on a minute, I thought those people were the enemy. But then he went, hang on a minute, now one of my own has just put a gun in my face and robbed me. And what he said he didn't understand when he was young was that it was the sin in both the heart of the white police officer and the sin in the heart of the young black guy who put the gun in his face that didn't respect another human being as somebody made in the image of God, didn't respect that person to have value and dignity. It's not a skin issue, it's a sin issue behind racism. The world can't answer racism or fix the issues. Social media highlights the issue every time someone is treated unfairly. They have not got solutions for it. They just look and go, here's another bad person, here's another bad person. They don't understand the sin issue that we all have. Only the one true God, only the one true God who reconciles us can fix that. The mediator, Christ Jesus, between God and man, that same power to reconcile us, reconciles us, uh, reconciles us to God, reconciles us to each other. We need Jesus. Our world desperately, desperately needs Jesus. Sin is the problem in our world, and the gospel is always the answer. Whenever you look at any type of brokenness in our world, between people, it's always sin that's behind it. Sin of the heart that every single human has, where we think that we're more important than we, think we, than we actually are, or we think we deserve something that we need to get. It's always the issue, but the gospel, the good news of Jesus, is always the answer for reconciliation and for hope. The gospel puts everybody on the same page. All sinners, regardless of race, our only hope is Jesus.
verse 19. So then you are no longer foreigners and strangers, but fellow citizens with the saints and members of God's household, built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, which Christ Jesus himself as the cornerstone. In him, the whole building being put together grows into a holy temple in the Lord. Verse 22, in him, you are also being built together for God's dwelling in the spirit. So here we have in the end of this, end of this chapter, the reality of who we are as the body of Christ. I don't know about you, but I still use the term, I'm going to church. I still use it all the time. Who's going to church tomorrow? You come to church tomorrow? And we can, we can definitely use church in that context. But the true context, the word, um, I think it's pronounced ekklesia in the Greek, um, it's about the people. The church is the people. It is God's church, God's people. And so when we think about going to church, we're actually saying we're going to congregate. I much prefer to say, are you, uh, if I could remember, are you going to congregate? It doesn't sound as good. <laughs> are you going to congregate tomorrow? Are you joining us for worship is what some people use. But here we have a picture of what it should look like. And um, one thing that I personally find a little uncomfortable is that we still live in a, in a world where we keep to our own groups, even though we are actually one people, made one by Christ, we still very much have our own groups of churches, different ethnic um, groups meeting together. But the bride of Christ, the church, is a multi-ethnic bride made up of people from every tribe and tongue, coming together, reconciled to be one people. We are all the church, being built together. We're not separate, but we are for God's purposes, where His Spirit would dwell amongst us. I think particularly in this area of, of oneness that we are called to have between people groups, even with the same group of people, this is a massive area where we really need God's help. We really need God's help to, to have this oneness together that Paul is speaking of. So, the way I want to finish off tonight is I want to offer three, three, what I would call three steps in the right direction. Three things that we can know and even think about putting into action to see us become more uh, unified as the body of Christ should be. Um, so, the first one that I've got is, um, is this one here. Number one is to understand that the church, the body of Christ, the bride of Christ, it is your future. You are being built into the church, and the church itself is your future. We spend a lot of time in our lives thinking about what am I going to do in my life? Where am I going to go with my career? Or what sort of family will I have? And, and all this sort of stuff. But the reality is that the church, the body of Christ, is where we belong. So it's fine to have these dreams and plans of things that we're going to do. But our core thing is that we belong to God and his people. We are his people. We belong to this. And I'm not saying you belong to Forest Lake and we're never letting you out the door. <laughs> you must stay here. I'm talking about the universal church, that we are God's people and we are called to belong forever. Because this is what we're going to do in all of eternity. We are going to be together in all of eternity. I want you to just take a, take a moment. It's a little awkward, I know. 
we, we get comfortable in our seats, just take a minute to have a glance around and look at the faces in this room. Just go ahead and look around at some people. Pull a face at them if you, if you must. Here in this room are brothers and sisters that you are going to spend all of eternity with. If you are in Christ, that's your future. The people in the room are your future that you're going to be dwelling with, living with, and praising God with for all of eternity. So church isn't about coming together and doing that for an hour, but it's about living that reality out. That when I think about where am I going to be in 10 years, where am I going to be, I'm going to be doing something in the church, in the the body of Christ. I'm going to be operating and and thriving and functioning within that. I read a a great quote this week from a guy called Michael Horton, and he said, the church isn't a stage for you to perform on, It's a garden for you to grow in. How good is that? It's not a stage for us to go, let's see if I can find some identity in maybe preaching or let's see if I can find some identity and see if I can play a guitar and and sing or, or another instrument to perform in. It's a place for us to grow and flourish in. We exist to continue to grow in Christ. The church is our future. When you go other places... When you go wherever you're going tomorrow, you still belong to this. You still belong to this. And that's why it hurts so much, I think, when we live differently to the way that we live here. Because it's not who you really are. Um, That's a growing thing for, for Christians, is that there's a time where we start off, and I believe that there's us being Christian in certain contexts where it would say, hey, that looks like a Jesus follower. But then in early stages of our walk, we can go over in a different setting and people would go, hang on, doesn't kind of line up with the over here stuff. I believe that's a process that God um, wants us to work hard at, but it's a reality that we will be the church wherever we go. So we can still go to that party if we desire it, but we're still the church when we go to the party. We don't, it's not like a job where we clock off hey, guys, I'll be back next week and I'll do a little bit of repenting, but over here I'm, I'm going to get my party on. <laughs> no, no, we're always the church. Wherever you are tomorrow, you're the church. Every single location that we go to, this is us, our future. Okay, number two, the diversity of people um, that we find within the church finds its unity and oneness in Christ. So when we think about the diversity in regards to a Congolese um, group of people meeting somewhere, uh, a Korean, Vietnamese, whoever it might be. If you think about Anala, Forest Lake, Carroll Park, we've got high African population, particularly in Anala, um, growing in Forest Lake, Ellen Grove, Carroll Park area as well. We've got massive Vietnamese population, just like a few minutes over, and also in in the same suburbs, Um, Islander, Samoan particularly, we've got all these different people groups all congregating together. When you go to the shops, it doesn't look as white as this. (laughs) You walk in there and there's a white person, there's African person, Vietnamese, everybody is in the shops together. My dream, my hope is that as we continue to grow, we continue to reflect what our community looks like so that we would look over and go hey there's some Vietnamese people 
There's some, yeah, that's what the unity in the body, and it is only going to be found in Christ. And I get that it's hard work because there is cultural differences in the way we perceive things. I get that there is language barriers to overcome. But we need to, I believe, church, we need to be mindful about this because our community who needs Jesus is multicultural. Our church, our, sorry, our community out there is a multicultural one. And I pray that our church reflects that in the years to come. The thing that we have in common with those who are in Christ is the gospel. And the gospel is the language we speak because all people need hope. All people need the peace that is only in Jesus. Um, about a month ago, I was up in the Forest Lake shops here and uh, there was a South Sudanese guy coming around the corner. I know that because not because I'm so good at identifying different cultures, but because I got to speak with him. <laughs> and I got around the corner and I, he had this bright blue shirt on that said, God over hip-hop. And so I'm instantly in because there's my, there's my two things, right? <laughs> God and hip-hop. And I know about that statement. It means God's more important than hip-hop. And so I was just straight over to him. I was like, yeah, come on. God over hip-hop. What's the go? Where, where, do, you, where do you fellowship? And he's like, oh, he's telling me about how he goes out in an ala to a place. And we talked a little bit about the T-shirt and, and, and where he got it and stuff like that. But we got to talking about the church. And he was sharing about where he fellowships and who his family was. And we added each other on Facebook. And it was, it was beautiful. Two people who nothing in common, looked nothing similar. And it wasn't the hip-hop. It was the church. What I did that day is I came across a brother in Christ, someone with who I'm going to be in eternity with. I don't know if I'll see him again. He sh- I, I should. He's, uh, we're Facebook friends. so. <laughs> but I'll be with that guy for eternity. That's a brother in Christ. And we share the gospel. It's wonderful. Um, number, number three, for us to take a step in this direction of going, all right, how do we continue to reach and seek the unity how do, we, how do we do this? The, the diversity that's already even in this room, um, in, in our own context, finds its unity again, our, its oneness, only in Christ. So even though we might all look fairly similar and have a kind of language that we speak that we kind of all get together, it's very true to say that we could probably put some ropes around us right now to say, here's a comfortable bit, here's a comfortable bit. We could probably do that. I know it's a little awkward to to say that, but that's the reality, right? Usually when people come into church, one of the first things they can do is go, where's my people? Or where's my seat? And we kind of make a beeline for like our people or our seat and just get to our safe spot and and we go for it. We got to do better than that. I'm not just talking about night church congregation. I'm talking about the church at large. As Christians, we've got to do better. There's a great little book of, that says how to walk into church. And one of, the, one of the main points that it makes is when you walk into church, don't walk in just to find your friends. Walk in to go, who's in here that I don't know yet? Who's in here that I could say hello to and reach out to? Surely that is a good step in the direction of reaching other nations. If we can do it in here, surely we can do it out there but we have to start in here. I don't know if you've ever felt the way I've felt in the past, but I've often felt a bit of an odd one out at church. And I don't feel like that anymore. But when I was probably more just sort of 
a little unsure of myself or I was, um, you know, hadn't really grounded my identity truly in Christ as much as um, God's been graciously doing in my life over the last number of years. But I have felt a little bit odd at times. And it's not uncommon to have chats with other people who say, yeah, I, I like coming along, but I always feel a little bit like the odd one out. I've got some things to say about that tonight. That is good. There is, there is something beautiful and wonderful about being a little odd and about being the odd one out. No one really likes to have that feeling. But I think if we dug beneath the surface, we would probably all go, yep, I put my hand up for that one. I feel a little bit odd at times. I feel a little bit different maybe than others. Underneath, the reality is that God has made every single one of us unique. God has crafted you individually to be a part of the body. So if a hand is comparing itself to the way a knee is, of course it's going to feel a bit different, isn't it? It looks nothing like it. But it's all part of the one body. We are all together part of God's body and we need the we need the oddness. We need the uniqueness of what we have here in the church. So if you feel that way, what I want to encourage you with tonight is please keep bringing your oddness here. We need it. We don't have what you have. You have different things that we do not have. And that's the beauty of the body of Christ, that we come together in our uniqueness, in our brokenness, to be God's people together. The cross has reconciled people of every, every tribe and tongue. People of every nation on earth are called, also in our own context, whether we have the person who's the extrovert or the introvert or um, whatever, whatever we might be, we are all called to be one in Christ. We are being built together for God's dwelling in the Spirit. This is the plan that God has for us. The church, His people, His church are being built. This is our now and it's our future. Before I pray to close, I'm going to get Jacinda just to put two things up on the board here. Up board, on the, whatever that is, <laughs> wall. <laughs> um, let's put it into practice tonight. Let's, let's do something. Let's, um, Jacinda's just going to grab that now. What I want you to do is I want you to find somebody who you don't normally speak with. If you're, if you're new here tonight, please don't feel pressured to go and uh, be the leader in a conversation and, and spark something up. You're more than welcome to stay with, with who you came with. But if you're a regular here tonight, um, I want you to do this. I want you to just go up to somebody who you don't really know that well. Just sit with them and ask them a high and a low of their week. All right? I got this from the home group of Sally and Tyler's home group. They just share highs and lows. I want you to move physically across the room, find somebody, and just have a little bit of chat with them. If you don't know them, introduce yourself, share a high and a low of your week. Let's hop to it. Yeah, how have we gone for time? I feel like I've gone a bit over. Uh, Oh, good. Okay, sweet.
put the other one up. Yeah. Thanks for coming. All right, guys, we're going to go to part two. Um, feel free to keep going to, before you get to this one, but just if you want to have a look, what is one prayer that we can, we can pray for each other tonight? So having now heard a little bit about each other's week, um, as you continue to talk, just offer a simple prayer to each other. Maybe there's, um, we've got some sort of groups happening. Maybe there's a couple who pray, but great if everyone could pray. Just pray for something that you've heard about for somebody else who's there. Now, if you're, if you're new tonight, don't feel pressure to pray or, or do anything like that. But let's turn that now into a, into a prayer need and just simply say, and if you feel a little nervous about that, I would just encourage you to keep it short. Maybe you've heard about somebody having exams this week and the prayer can be as simple as, God, I just pray that you would help such and such with the exams that they've got coming up this week. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, simple prayers. Let's reach out to each other and pray.
questions? Yeah. Do you want to, no, that's it. Just your questions, yeah, that's good. Do you want to set up and I'll just pray? Yeah. Okay, if the person praying now can be the last prayer and then we'll join back together. Thank you, church. You can return to your seat or you can stay where you are. We're just going to get Jeff and Lemuel to, to lead us in one more song as we close. Just as we come back, we're just going to uh, have one final prayer together. Um, yeah, let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, I just thank you for this evening. Lord, and I thank you for this passage of Scripture which, um, which informs